Recent popular feminist discourse has broadly adopted the idea of women supporting women. The idea of women being there to keep one another safe, motivated and inspired is becoming paramount amongst women's circles and certainly it is a positive direction. So many fields of the secular world, which are still heavily dominated by males, seem either inaccessible at worst or intimidating at best for a lot of women. The general lack of spaces for women to learn from other women makes ideas like women supporting women difficult to see in practicality, as lovely as the idea might be. But I know it's certainly not impossible, because an organisation espousing and indeed practising this concept and many more exist by the name of Lajnai Maila, to which I am fortunate enough to belong. This organisation has now reached its momentous first centenary. It was founded in rural India in 1922 by His Holiness Mirza Bashir al-Din Mahmud Ahmad, may Allah be pleased with him, the second caliph, or khalifa, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, upon the suggestion by his wife, Hazrat Amdullahay, may Allah be pleased with her, with the prime focus of it for women to be able to uplift other women. At the time of forming Lajna, His Holiness Mirza Bashir al-Din Mahmud Ahmad, may Allah be pleased with him, stated... Aside from gaining personal and spiritual knowledge, henceforth the spiritual progress of the community is also dependent on efforts by women. So when we think of progress, we must think of the skills and confidence that the women must possess in order to drive such progress for the community. Such skills and confidence can certainly be seen at the large-scale events such as the Jalsa Salana, um, an annual convention or the Ishtama, another spiritual gathering. In both, women from all backgrounds come together and through this pure spirit of sacrifice, they volunteer their time and energy and capacities to make that event possible. Further, on a day-to-day basis, women are constantly uplifting their local communities, whether through fundraising, interfaith events or general community action. The advancement of society is always a priority. The involvement of women in the community's progress is certainly not negotiable and therefore it is necessary that we have spaces for skills to be learned and knowledge to be shared in an environment which uplifts each member. The organisation, abiding by its own constitution, has exercised its own voice freely and made huge steps for us to make it an organisation which listens to, cares for and appreciates women. It is a global structure, working on an international, national, regional and then even local level. Thus it is ensured that not only is there a large overarching body to run larger scale events and initiatives, but also the needs of each and every individual can be looked after through the women in her immediate surroundings. Legendum were granted the right to representation at the Shura in 1930. So now I found a very good definition of what um, shura is, and it says that shura is an Arabic word, which literally means consultation, and as a basic Islamic principle, it calls upon Muslims, usually under a system of proportional representation, to gather and, through debate, form um, forward formed opinions to the Khalifa, which they feel are for the betterment of the Ummah. So it's a forum for discussion and implementation of new initiatives, and it's a one-of-a-kind space where the voices of each and every individual are heard and valued, and as a result, some fantastic initiatives have been implemented. As with others, for Lajna, it ensures that the organisation is at the forefront of dealing with modern-day issues, whether that's mental health to combating uh, climate change and from domestic issues to national peace initiatives. The organisation ensures all women are being cared for. Thus, I would argue that this is the only space that, at least in my personal experience, um, which generally puts women's issues at the forefront and seeks to find solutions and make changes within the organisation. It is the embodiment of women supporting women. And the most empowering part of this is that it is all happening indeed without the presence of men. In response to a question about the gender segregation within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, His Holiness Mirza Masrur Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, um, the fifth caliph and the current head of the Ahmadi Muslim community told um, a journalist, my philosophy is, if women work outside the shade of men, they flourish better. So now let me turn to my wonderful guests. I've got Barira Ghaffar and Samana Malik with me here. Barira is a recent psychology graduate who is currently working in the private sector and Samana is studying psychology at university and she is based in Yorkshire. Aslam alaikum to the both of you and thank you uh, for joining me for this conversation today. 
Let's just jump right into the questions um, that I've got for you. So when we're looking at wider society, um, what barriers do you think that there are for women in being able to reach their full potential? You know, whether they are personal, academic or in a career context. How do you think Legend and Myla as an organisation tackles some of these common issues? Bria, if I might come to you first, please. Assalamualaikum, Ifrit and Samara. Jazakallah um, for having me on the show to discuss such an interesting topic. That too in the centenary year of Lajna Imaila. To look at the wider society and think of the barriers in place that may stop women from reaching their full potential, we could be here all day talking about it and picking apart the layers of each one, be that academically, in the workplace or even just in day-to-day life. We are all truly familiar with the term, it's a man's world, And truly, when you sit back and look at the way society is set up, it is as though men are the default and women are the other. A quote from Simone de Beauvoir's book, The Second Sex, goes as follows. Representation of the world, like the world itself, is a work of men. They describe it from their own point of view, which they confuse with the absolute truth. End quote. To me, this quote, in a simple way, introduces one to the notion of patriarchy a system of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it. When one acknowledges and recognises patriarchy and how deep it is seeded and shows up in the cracks of society, you begin to see how it shows up in your life and in the lives of women you do not know, and that too cross-culturally. There are many different ways one can measure this gender disparity. So, to give one example, let us look at the gender pay gap. In 2021, the UK's gender pay gap rose from 14.9% to 15.4%. This means that on average, women earn just over 15% less than men per hour, which is obviously not fair. Another example that came to mind was with the implementation of the one-child policy in China between 1980 and 2015. This policy led to gender-specific abortions and female infanticide due to social preferences for boys. So now we are seeing the effects of this in China, where there are significantly more men than women, with a ratio of approximately 104 males to 100 females. What I find interesting is that when thinking of patriarchy, one can easily think that there are perhaps no repercussions to men themselves. But there are. Take statements like boys don't cry and man up, which are incredibly damaging when it comes to how men view and display masculinity and emotions. In turn, we see that suicide in men in the UK are three times more common in men than they are in women. So when you ask Ifrit how I think Lajnai Maila tackles some of these issues, I say firstly, the very existence of this auxiliary organisation is dismantling barriers. The Legend Auxiliary Organisation of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community is for women and entirely run by women. The decisions regarding this organisation are all decided by women, not just in the United Kingdom, but globally. There are various departments within this women's only organisation which are for women to discuss topics and learn together, like the Tarbiyat, that is the moral and spiritual training department, where topics such as the roles, rights and responsibilities of women in Islam are discussed. We also have the Amur Talibad department, meaning student affairs, where women who are students can seek advice on careers, etc. And then there are many other examples I can draw upon. One thing that really sticks out for me personally is that the community of Muslim women that Lejna Imaila has allowed me the privilege of being a part of, because I strongly believe that the power of women is in our unity and in our sisterhood. What better way to achieve such unity than by doing so for the pleasure of Allah the Almighty? As stated by His Holiness Mirza Mashur Ahmed in his address in Germany in 2019, my philosophy is that if women work outside the shade of men, they flourish. And Lajna Imaila is a great example of women working outside the shade of men. Yes, it absolutely is. And I do think that quote is worth um, repeating over and over again. Um, uh, you know, it's one that I think back to often, especially at times when, 
you know, people sometimes they might express some sort of concern for the fact that, um, the, you know, the events uh, within the Ahmadi Muslim community, men and women are separated. Um, and it feels as though, you know, people automatically assume that that means that one side, um, i.e. the women's side, um, is less than the men's. But actually, the two sides are very much equally catered for and both are just as well organised. Um, and it also kind of feels like this criticism of the gender segregation comes from those who are actually unwilling to accept the fact that things organised by women um, for women can be just as good as those things organised by men. So that's quite ironic um, in terms of the blame of misogyny ending up falling on us. Um, Samana, if I may come to you with the same question, please. So I think the increase in career opportunities for women has been prevalent since the 1950s and many women are now working and achieving on a professional level now higher than ever. You asked about barriers, so one barrier that might get in the way of women building a career, purely from a business point of view, is the personal role of getting married and becoming a mother. Despite pursuing a profession, motherhood is a role that remains etched onto many women's minds. Some women start a family whilst working and prefer taking time off, so they earn less to spend more time with their children. So this means they are more likely to have career breaks than men who develop their careers faster and often earn more as they are taking on more. But there is a negative assumption that um, women don't put in hard work at their career because there are not so many women-oriented fields. There seems to be a perception that women looking after children are, if you like, less important and not as amazing at developing a career. I think this has led to many women in the West try to juggle both home life and a career, as it has now become a norm and an expectation that they will juggle both. From a religious perspective, Muslim women are free to pursue leadership positions or responsibilities, and are not required to handle the household finances. Islam encourages Muslim women to pursue higher education and endeavours to achieve many things that will benefit both them and their children in the long run. Islam reminds women of their primary duty to their families because they have been given the immense obligation by God to bear children and raise them, which is incredibly difficult and as worthwhile, if not more, to go out to work. Men and women are spiritually equal in God's eyes, but they were made differently and have separate roles. The upbringing of children is primarily a mother's role and women bear a heavy duty in this regard. Not everyone has the same opportunities to do well in education or pursue it to the stage where they have a stable career. In this regard, we are very fortunate that our Ahmadiyya Muslim community actively encourages and supports members of all ages to achieve anything they desire. From tuition lessons to workshops and essay writings and assistance in application for higher education, there is a strong sense of sisterhood and camaraderie amongst members to help fellow peers and those youngers in any of their aspirations. In fact, His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmed Al Khalif, who is constantly encouraging, inspiring, and empowering Ahmadi Muslim women, has said that we should encourage every girl to get higher education and that if because of some financial restraint or some other problems, they cannot do so, then we should help them. So we should not let the talent or potential of even one girl go to waste. This spirit of female empowerment is echoed all over the Ahmadiyya Muslim communities all around the globe. For example, in early 2021, His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmed held a virtual online meeting with members of National Amla that is the executive team of Lajnai Maila, Nigeria, which was shown on TV channel of our community MTA. We saw that members responsible for the trade and industry department of the auxiliary organization showed some of the products that Lajnai Maila members from across the country had made, such as bags and other items. The secretary highlighted that Lajnai Maila members are being assisted in making a living and are being supported in starting their own businesses. They had also assisted local society during the COVID-19 pandemic. Jazakallah for such a comprehensive answer, um, Samana. I think it's really important that you mention um, the practicalities of such support being available um, because 
there's definitely like a lot of rhetoric about ensuring women and girls have the same opportunities as their male counterparts um, but there's comparatively very little being done um, in terms of material progress and you know making that change for these girls um, so it's I personally find it really inspiring that the MD community and within it, Lajna Myla recognises the very real barriers towards gender equality. And instead of focusing on only saying the right things, that um, they ensure that there are systems in place um, to be able to create those opportunities and ensure that those opportunities can be availed. Um, so, for example, um, in my local chapter of the community, I've been given um, the honour of being the Student Affairs Secretary and uh, the department that Briel and yourself also mentioned earlier. Um, and it's so inspiring to see that the girls that I'm responsible for are... I mean, they're so talented and able by the grace of God. And even better is that, you know, from the Legendary UK central body, there's always some sort of event or workshop taking place specifically catering towards these girls. Um, so we've got networking opportunities, um, university application consultations, um, essay workshops, etc. There's just so much going on. There's always something. And these are the things which people, you know, actually spend lots and lots of money on um, and lots of time elsewhere finding these opportunities. Um, I remember back when I was applying for university um, a few years ago, my peers um, who were applying for medicine specifically were telling me about all these different workshops being held in prestigious conference halls, you know, where attendance tickets cost you know, upwards of £200, um, you know, just for a day or two of um, application reviewing and interview training, things like that. Um, and now these are all very helpful, but with prices like that, you know, you can see how a lot of people just simply won't be able to benefit from the same sort of opportunities. Um, so the fact that Lajna has these workshops available, not for any monetary profit, is really nothing short of amazing. Um, I'm just going to move the conversation slightly now um, towards the general perception of Muslim women. So there's a lot of uh, misconceptions about Muslim women being treated as second-class citizens. Um, so I'd like to just um, ask the both of you, Saman, I'll come to you first now. Um, where do you think that these misconceptions come from? And how do you think that not just the Ahmadi community, uh, but Lajna specifically, uh, work to disprove these misconceptions? So firstly, I believe the misconception that Islam oppresses women and that the faith is fundamentally antagonistic to the needs, wants and worries of most of humanity is a far too common, false and unfortunate stereotype. People argue that Muslim women are treated as second-class citizens due to Islam and its outdated customs. However, what needs to be said again and again is that Muslim women may be viewed as being of lower status in some cultures, but this stems from certain cultural practices, customs and traditions and has no bearing at all on what Islam teaches. It also needs to be said that sadly there are cultures and societies across the globe where women are discriminated against. We know this happens in the developed world as well, but perhaps the developed world does it subtly, whereas in underdeveloped countries of the world, be they Muslim majority or not, discrimination against women can be blatant. A lot of this misconception of Muslim women treated as second class stems from the fact that we cover up. Because covering up or being modest is sadly given little to no thought in the developed world. The Islamic hijab remains a totally alien concept here and it's badly misunderstood as subjugation. Whereas we who observe it know that it's a beautifully liberating experience. All the misconception can arise from the fact that many Muslim women choose domesticity over professional goals, mainly to raise families. This is also viewed as backwards by many. There is a lot of misinformation about Muslim women and marriage, which is a subject on its own. Islam is the first faith to grant women the ability to inherit property. Daughters are granted the right to inherit from their parents in the Holy Quran. Wives are given the right to inherit from their husbands. And mothers are given the right to inherit from their children if they pass away before her. Women's rights have never been established in this way, previously in any other faith. The Holy Prophet of Islam, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, established the rights of women by advising men to give women their due right, give relatives their due right, and give children their due right. He strongly disliked the idea of men wasting time in idle talk, leaving the wife behind at home. He said, one who has daughters should provide them with education, should give them good moral training and on the day of judgment, Allah the Exalted would make hell forbidden for that person.
Islam and the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, have conferred upon women the greatest of kindness. Islam established the rights of women based upon their role in society and keeping their best interests at heart and are based on wisdom and human nature. Now to the second part of your question and how the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in general and Lajna in particular are disproving of these misconceptions. Our Ahmadiyya community tries to follow the true teachings of Islam in everyday life. Our Khalif, His Holiness Mirza Masrur Ahmad, regularly explains and reminds us of what according to Islam should be our conduct with each other. And he always highlights women's rights in Islam and points out to men their obligation towards fulfilling these rights. One great sign of disproving the misconceptions about Muslim women is the very organization we are discussing today in its centenary year. Imagine a hundred years ago in a small town in India, the second caliph of Ahmadiyya Muslim community established an auxiliary organization for women. How empowering and forward-looking was that? So, Lajna, which is spread all over the world, has branches in every continent on national, regional and local levels, is a living proof that when Islam is practiced to the letter, it gives women all the privileges. As you described in your intro, Lajna Imaila is a very active organisation, with a robust administration and activity, and learning programmes, which keep us busy throughout the year. So we are very fortunate that our actions speak louder than the words and are out there for the world to take note of. Lajna is, as it has been said before, worldwide. But I suggest those who wish to know more can go to our UK Lajna Twitter page at Lajna UK or our website lajna.org.uk. Jazakla, uh, Samana, thank you very much for your very pertinent point there. Um, you know, in, indeed, misogyny and the mistreatment of women is unfortunately rampant everywhere, yet Islam receives most of the backlash. Um, and whilst it is true that there are terrible human rights um, violations perpetrated towards women in some Muslim-majority countries, one does not need to look very far into Islamic teachings to know that these practices are extremely un-Islamic. Um, but if I might come to you now, um, would you like to add anything to help us to understand what the true Islamic practice then is? Yes, I do. Um, the discourse surrounding Muslim women being treated as second-class citizens is one that I find interesting and very intrigued by the arguments that people come up with to support their claims. I'm not in any way sitting here and saying that I don't think that Muslim women around the world have not and are not experiencing, experiencing hardships and difficulties, but one must highlight that there are multiple things at play here, which I will later discuss. When you look at the Islam of the Holy Quran, and the Islam that the Holy Prophet may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him practice, how can one say that Muslim women are treated as second-class citizens? There is so much respect, honour and adoration in being a Muslim woman. The religion at its very core understands the difficulties that women face and gives solutions to these issues. Personally, I see Islam as a prevention is better than cure religion, especially regarding women's issues. I see and continue to see time and time again how Islam saves the honour of women. If we look at early Islam, Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, one of the wives of the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was extremely knowledgeable. And after his death, his companions and other men who wanted to learn more about Islam would often go to Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, and learn from her. Some of the strongest hadiths and narrations we know regarding the Holy Prophet may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him were narrated by Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her. In fact, what has just come to mind while discussing Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, is the incident where she dropped her necklace while on a long journey, which resulted in everyone leaving. She returned with the man who was to follow the group to make sure they had not left anything behind. When they got back to Medina together, rumours began to circulate. Now to me, this story signifies how much the honour of a woman is preserved in Islam. Because Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, put all her trust in Allah the Almighty. Therefore, based on this incident, Surah Nur chapters 12 to 23 were revealed, which start with, and I quote, Verily those who invented the great lie are a party from among you, end quote. 
These very verses till this day can be seen as the underpinning of justice and how humans should treat one another. It signifies how spreading rumours is wrong and is distasteful, especially when it comes to women. These verses were revealed due to a woman. Therefore, I cannot reconcile with the idea that women are second-class citizens. To add to that, there is a whole surah of the Holy Quran, chapter 19, Surah Maryam, which is named and is about Hazrat Maryam, on whom be peace, the mother of Prophet Jesus, or Isa, on whom be peace. It must be noted that Maryam, on whom be peace, is the only woman mentioned by name in the Holy Quran. In fact, she has the whole surah dedicated to her. Maryam on whom be peace is referred in the Quran 70 times and the Holy Quran recognizes her as one of the greatest women that has ever lived. Now just from that alone, so many things regarding how Muslim women are perceived by the Quran and Islam can be debunked. We must remember culture can also be at play here and for me the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and Lajna overall has invested so much time in teaching the Islamic roles and responsibilities of a woman. Many tarbiyat or moral and spiritual training meetings since the age of 15 has highlighted this, that there are an array of speeches and talks that discuss the role of a woman in Islam. With reflection and thinking of the significance of a woman, one can decipher what is cultural, what the influence society is, and for me, being able to distinguish that has been the most freeing and liberating process. That's a very interesting way to put it. Um, indeed, it can be very liberating uh, to know that there's a difference between cultural expectations and um, religious teaching um, because you know, c- uh, cultural expectations can be felt very immensely. And I think especially for people like us, you know, we've all grown up with two cultures. It can be quite difficult to know what you want or what you should do. In that sense, having a set of religious teachings and an organisation to help you live your life by those teachings really is quite quite a lifeline um the diaspora experience can be quite difficult one i think to you know endure and to talk about because you feel like there's never quite one culture that you 100 percent see yourself in you know for that i'm very grateful for islamic teachings which uh, you know guide me regardless of cultural expectations um so myself being of pakistani origins but living here in the uk i'm free to think about which practices or norms from either culture are the ones that i want to adhere to or foment within my life um, and indeed, Islam allows that sort of freedom. And I think um, that there is something that really does teach us that there's more to it than, you know, to life than national identities. So, for example, Barira, you know, you being from a Ghanaian background, which is, and I Googled this, just under seven and a half thousand kilometers away from England and just over seven and a half thousand kilometers away from Pakistan, the country of my origin, um, now, I've never been to Ghana, and you've never been to Pakistan, yet there's so much that you and I will see eye to eye on, and much of the time that's because of our shared Islamic teachings, um, you know, which Lejna Maila upholds and tries its best, um, you know, to practice. So, you know, Islam really is truly the unifying force, and it's amazing that we have organisations such as Lejna facilitating this sort of conversation and space for people like us to get together and learn about what unites us. So just moving on now, um, so over you know recent years, there's been a greater societal discussion on developing women's spaces um, and you know where women can feel safe and thrive together. Um, and many people do express their concerns on the practicality and how realistic these spaces can be. Um, how does Lejna Maila show that these spaces are indeed possible and can be a place where women don't just exist but also thrive the manner? First of all, I would just like to say that providing a safe space to women doesn't suppress women as critics of Islam like to suggest. In reality, Muslim women have this privilege which Islam gave to them 1400 years ago. We know sports events, restrooms and locker rooms are a few places where segregation is already in place. Islam just goes above and above to make sure that this goal of this form of separation, namely modesty, is attained with great care. What's interesting is that many people in the West are now leaning towards safe spaces for women. Islam maintains that it's unacceptable for even one woman out of a thousand to experience any form of harassment because, say, she attended a gathering where men and women could freely converse. Islam takes women's dignity extremely seriously. 
In addition, women who experience these environments feel considerably more liberated and unconstrained and they are less concerned. Furthermore, women have discovered recently that there is power in a pack. Studies show women who support women are more successful as women are effectively acting as mentors. When there is a relationship between women that creates connections based on shared interests and goals, you will be more successful in fulfilling goals. These spaces would remove competition from the equation and give a space in which women can support each other. For younger women, these experiences are invaluable as they have a support system and they feel as if they are not alone. It is said that statistically, women in the West, when working in projects alone, are less confident as generally men are given a push and more support. Thus having spaces where women feel they are not alone and they can in fact do this, help overcome insecurities and self-doubt, which typically would occur outside of women-only co-working spaces, which have cropped up in a few years, especially in the USA. Now, Lajna Myla has been a women-only co-working space for the past 100 years, and has been such a success story, and it is a model that is replicated all over the world. Wherever Lajna is established, from Ravva in Pakistan to Indonesia to Mauritius, to name just a couple of places. Women part of the Ahmadiyya community working together have achieved many things together, such as successful donations towards building mosques, to funding the printing of translation copies of the Holy Quran within short periods of time. For example, the Ahmadiyya Mosque in London, which was the first purpose-built mosque in London, in 1926 and was entirely funded by Lajna women. In recent times they have funded PPE for NHS staff during the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as currently we have a campaign underway to plant 100,000 trees up and down the country here in the UK to make our 100 years as an organisation and in support of stopping climate change. It is truly a community that shows sisterhood and friendship stronger than our kin a platform where they learn new skill, flourishing and passing on knowledge, where old and young both learn from one another, all under one khilafat. I think Samana has hit the nail on the head with her answer to this question, and there are so many aspects of your answer, Samana, that I agree with. But just to add to that, I think many see gender separation as something negative or archaic. But as Samana just said, in women-only spaces, naturally, one sort of unnecessary hindrance is removed. And that is the societal expectation to deal with the male gaze or distraction. When a lot of what society tells us to do, to conform to, even when it is done in the guise of what appears to be bettering the lot of women, it at times at its core, when you think of it, lies the male dominance. Now, if you take that away, we no longer have that hindrance. Obviously, it is more nuanced than that, but I think in a world where women are consistently scrutinised because of their appearance and insecurities and feelings of feeling inferior, it leads to um, the feelings of insecurity which are rampant within teenagers, it is important that women know that there are more than their appearance. And you are not an object. We are whole, we are self-reliant, and we do not have to be seen to do that. I went to an all-girls school and that did wonders for my self-confidence and self-worth and effort. We have talked about this at great length. I think there is so much beauty, community and sisterhood when women come together and work together. And genuinely, Legenda Imaila is an exceptional example of this. Not just here in the UK or in the Western countries, but across the globe. All Legenda in their respective countries oversee what happens in the auxiliary organisation and oversee what they do and how they are doing it. It's liberating to have that space to just be. Women-only spaces are very safe and very practical and realistic. I think it is a privilege to have a Khalifa who cares so much about the well-being, careers and religious progress of women. There have been numerous sermons at large-scale gatherings such as the Ishtamas, Gathering of Lejna, at Jalsas, the annual convention of the whole community, and Friday sermons where the Khalifa of the time has emphasised the rights of women, and where he has spoken directly to men about upholding the status of women. I have seen discourse online of threads of Muslim women discussing how they don't have the space 
as men in mosques or they don't have the same access to Islamic knowledge as men. And if I may say, that is not Islam in practice. Islam encourages women to learn with one another and seek knowledge and advice from one another. And there should be nothing in the way of such. As an Ahmadi Muslim woman, we have ample space in the ladies' area in all of our mosques, including crash facilities for children. Time and time again, I have seen how practical and enriching it is to have such spaces to exist. The Legendal Local Meetings is another great example of this. It provides a space for women to advise, mentor and support each other on matters of education and careers. Perhaps the only thing that is not realistic about women's only spaces is that men can be shocked that they are not at the centre of it. Absolutely, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, like w- with male presence, there is the societal pressure to be a certain way, and uh, you know that does lead to so many insecurities amongst women, especially young girls who really are just at this precipice of womanhood. Um, and you know, this is such a vital age where there's so much at stake because you're at such an impressionable age, um, and the ideas that you come across at this age can drastically, you know, alter the way that you see yourself and the world around you, and and will do so for for years to come. Um, so to be in a space, especially at a time like this, where you don't feel 100% safe, can be very intimidating. And, you know, as I say, it has a lot of consequences, um, which you might not even feel until very much later in life. Um, I think uh, we're going to take a short break now, um, but please do stay tuned because after the break, we are going to continue our conversation about Lajna Maila, the Women's Auxiliary Organization of the Ahmadi Muslim Community, and how it is the archetypal women's only space. Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, His Holiness Mirza Musroor Ahmad has said, Islam is certainly not a patriarchal religion dominated by men. In fact, Islam teaches that in the establishment and development of any nation or community, women play a fundamental and vital role. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back. You are listening to Sisters on Air on Voice of Islam Radio. Today we are talking about Lejanai Maila, our women's auxiliary organization of the Ahmadi Muslim community, as we commemorate our centenary year. So picking up the conversation from where we left off about you know women's rights and you know how women are perceived and how the organization upholds women. At the Jalsa Salana UK, an annual three-day convention held by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in 2022, His Holiness um, delivered his speech in the ladies' session on the exemplary character of many Muslim women from early Islam to the present day. So how important do you think it is that we are presented with these examples of real-life women excelling in both (laughs) spiritual and secular spheres? And to follow on from that, if I might, um, how important do you think it is for us as Muslim women to hear these examples coming directly from His Holiness himself? I think it is the most inspiring and faith-assuring thing hearing the Khalifa of the time himself give examples of women from early Islam. I remember during this speech feeling incredibly emotional, yet filled with pride and a need to strive to be better. All the women that were mentioned were not the same, and the way in which they showed their love and dedication for Islam was not the same either. I think this was very interesting to point out because so often Muslim women are lumped together and seen as one and must all do the same and that is simply not the case at all. Muslim women are all different. We don't have the same ideas, sense of humour. What binds us is our love for God and the Holy Prophet Muhammad may the peace and blessings well be upon him. To add to that, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and Lajna Imaila recognises this and welcomes, women, and welcomes women with all talents and spheres to showcase their talents and show that, that as a Muslim woman, you can do what you put your mind to. But first and foremost, one must have righteousness and remember God. Many members of Lajna Imaila work for MTA, Muslim Television Ahmadiyya, in varying roles, many who work as producers, graphic designers on varying projects. Women work within the various magazines, radio shows. The list is truly endless for what women can do and continue to do and thrive at. But going back to your question, 
regarding the ladies' session address at our annual convention, JELSA 2022, a part of it really stuck with me, and it was regarding a Muslim woman who went out into battle and released her brother, who was being held captive by the Romans, all on her own. The Muslim army only came to know of this after she had brought back her brother. So much bravery and strength is shown here, to a degree that I don't think can necessarily be replicated today. But one can learn from that bravery. In the face of people telling us that Muslim women are timid and have no voice, we have women like this from early Islam to draw great inspiration from and are pillars of strength. Absolutely, and what an, an inspiring example you mentioned. Um, and you're also right, it's actually really strange um, how pe- just how ready people are to treat Muslim women as some sort of monolithic identity. There are nearly two billion Muslims in the world. Let's say about half of those are women. So are we just really okay painting one billion people from across the world as the same? That they all have the same thoughts, that they've all got the same ideas and ambitions, as well as all the same problems. Like, even in my own personal life, you know, I've been met with some serious prejudice from people that I feel like they know me quite well. And they know me as some sort of fairly confident and outspoken person, but when it comes to certain issues, they feel the need to express some sort of concern or pity for me, as if I would then be silent in the face of those other injustices just because I'm a Muslim woman. And I... I really can't understand that logic, um, but I suppose that, you know, maybe that's just the case. Like, prejudice isn't logical. It's simply a way to be vindictive and, you know, feel superior, perhaps. Um, so, you know, I think we were very fortunate to be able to witness that moment. And, you know, this address where His Holiness made Allah be his helper clearly showed that the devotion Muslim women feel um, and, you know, show that it's equally important and can be seen in many different ways. Samana, um, what are your views on this? So, listening to the role models His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmed mentioned in his speeches, they often represent Muslim women and their sacrifices in Islam and inspire women to be ambitious and aim higher. In the specific dress we are talking about, His Holiness presented examples of some exemplary Muslim women and stated that the number of these women are so large that volumes upon volumes of books would need to be written to complete their account. The diversity of role models mentioned with different stories and styles, personalities and perspectives have reached out to many Ahmadi Muslim women attending the three-day annual convention, Jalsa Salana event, in August this year in the UK. More Ahmadi Muslim women are being inspired to be the role model they were told about. It's important to have real-life examples of women in Islam because we all need a benchmark to aim for or measure ourselves against. Role models are essential for self-improvement. We can only hope and pray to even achieve a small percentage of what these women were able to, but it's still so important to have these role models. One thing all great leaders, athletes and high performers have in common is that they all have positive role models who they try to follow in some way, who ultimately shape their own achievements. The fact that His Holiness gave these examples give Ahmadi Muslims more power as his holiness is taught is known to spend his holiness is known to spend utmost effort in choosing topics in writing his speeches and it makes us understand that these are the powerful words we must look to in a world where there is still discrimination and self-doubt in and against women his holiness's words empowered and encouraged females attending to learn more about the ideal role model. For the type of person we hope to become and apply his or her life's lesson to our own. Most of the time when we observe a spiritual and successful Muslim woman, we are unaware of the obstacles they had to overcome in order to achieve their stature. Trying to learn about these issues and determining whether we are dealing with a situation that is comparable will undoubtedly help in discovering a solution there. Examples given by His Holiness in the address included Hazrat Aisha's generous monetary sacrifices, as well as female Muslim slaves who endured suffering for their faith in one God, to Muslim women picking up swords to fight alongside the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Focusing on Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her. 
She did not earn a living on her own, but when she accepted gifts from Muslim companions of the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, she would give away these gifts in the way of Allah, according to Allah's will. Thousands of dinars were give, once given to her, but at the end of the day, she had distributed everything and had kept nothing for herself. This is just one of the many examples given, truly demonstrating the mindset and behaviours of spiritually successful Muslim women, and implies what girls and women can do if given the opportunity to learn and take the time to become role models of their own. Indeed, um, th the need for you know real life role models um, is certainly a very important, um, you know, very important for everyone. And it's very easy to look to perhaps you know unsuitable people to be treated as role models, you know, in the era of social media and influencers. Sometimes all one really needs is to be you know conventionally attractive to become famous on social media, and then all of a sudden they've got this huge following of very devoted fans who take a very unhealthy interest in the influencer's personal life. So it's you know very important that amongst all this noise, as it were, um, we see some genuinely noble and brave women as the sort of people that we should be aspiring to be. Um, and like you say, we saw throughout this discourse given by His Holiness, may Allah be his helper, that there were indeed many different ways that these exemplar women showed their devotion to the Holy Prophet. Uh, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and Allah the Almighty. And, you know, there's, there's just so many ways to do that. Um, we've talked quite about some kind of like you know, more societal issues or some grander issues. I'm just kind of trying to think about like our personal experiences now. Um on an individual level, can you talk us through any sort of examples uh, of times where you felt that the organisation was there for you and you needed some guidance or assistance? Um, and how do you think this might have helped you to you know, grow as a person or change the way that you might see things, Samana? Um, yeah, so one year ago I had moved into a new area and chapter of local Lajna branches. And although attending online meetings and sessions, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, I hadn't met any of the community members in person properly. <clears throat> that year I had just finished exams and was feeling drained and would spend my days relaxing. After all, I had just finished exams and it was the summer. I was just starting to get in the habit of being a bit lazy. I was invited to partake in my first book club with them, which was one of the first times I had met them, so initially I was a bit nervous. but. Immediately I felt very welcome and the book we specifically looked at was Our God, written by Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed, who was the second son of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. We started refreshing ourselves in the proofs of God's existence and generally speaking about our experiences as Muslim women in day-to-day -day life. And that one-hour session gave me such an enlightenment in a way in which I would spend my mornings reading more prayers and even would attend prayers in the mosque at every single prayer time because I was free and felt so much comfort in doing so. Especially since it was the summer, I spent more of my free time developing a better relationship with God. One day I even decided to go to the mosque for Fajr prayers, that is the early morning prayers with my friend who I'd struck a friendship with in the local meetings. And although it was still dark at the time of the morning, we found a few more people would also regularly go to prayers at that time, and we appreciated the daily effort of members of our community and really aimed for self-betterment. One of the key things that struck out to me in the session was that older student Lajna were sharing stories and not just positive ones, but their own struggles that we might relate to, which quickly made it easy for us to all share and bond. And I think that's very important in sharing advice and personal examples and issues that we may need help dealing with. And for this to happen, there needs to be more unity and little judgment and letting members know that not everyone is going to be perfect and it's okay to ask questions and not understand everything about your faith and that everyone is constantly striving for improvement. Due to the pandemic, people are a little hesitant in physically getting together and thus there is a need for unity in the sense that everyone needs to build back a better relationship with one another and help each other with everything it's very helpful to include younger members as well. Um, it makes you feel like a sense of community which is beneficial for the young. I heard some attending the tree planting activity, they really learned and enjoyed the community feel. Um, this is a really nice question, Ifrit. I think the organisation has taught me and continues to show me 
There is so much power in togetherness, and we saw in Samana's example like she touched on that togetherness. I remember when I was moving from one city to another and was of course apprehensive about how it was going to be. But in hindsight, there was absolutely nothing to worry about. I was welcomed with so much love and openness. But the thing is, this is not a unique experience to just me. I believe being part of Lejna Imaila is that wherever you are in the world, you will find sisterhood and you will find ladies who will open themselves and their homes to you like long lost family. In terms of seeking advice or just navigating the world as a woman, as a Muslim woman, navigating workplaces, so many members of Lejna have shared the experience and, and time with me, which I am very grateful for. I think having these experiences highlights how important social support is and how it takes a village. There is also something so grounding knowing that this togetherness has come about because of the love we have for God and the Khalifa of the time. These are both truly very beautiful incidents that you've um, you, you've mentioned, uh, Berya and Samana. It's interesting that both of you thought of times where you moved to a new location and you know met uh, people that you had no clue of before, and now they mean so much to you. And I don't know. I, I just isn't it amazing how the spirit of sisterhood really does kind of guide this sort of experience. You know, it truly goes to show that when we are taught to love and welcome, we can really make all the difference for the unsuspecting newcomer. That truly is only something a very close-knit community can create. And it's, you know, it's amazing that despite being a global community, it's also a very local one, and you are truly always home no matter where you are. You know, and this kind of just leads me to, to my final question now for the both of you. We're, we're now celebrating our centenary by the grace of God, and we can roughly consider this to be you know, four or five generations of women who have helped to uphold the values of the organization of Lajna, as well as to benefit from the wonderful opportunities and guidance that it offers. So how can we ensure that it continues to do so for the future generations of girls? You know, some who may be turning 15 um, and entering Lajna now, um, you know, those with a few years to go, and maybe those who aren't even born yet. It is such a blessing to see Lajna in its centenary year. And I think the way we continue to try and uphold the values of and benefits gained from Lajna is to practice righteousness, taqwa, and to continue praying for Lajna Maila because God holds and envelops this sisterhood. And I think remembering our service to humanity is, is the pivotal factor that binds Lajna to everyone else in the community and in the world. Continuing to, to want to add new ideas and voices is the strength of Lajna and we must continue to nourish that, inshallah. Yeah, so um, being a member of Lajna means that everyone is given a voice and often where events are run, they're continuously based on what is necessary for future generations and based on their interests and needs. So I think we must continue to ensure that younger generations' voices are heard and also that wisdom of elders are shared as well. Um, this allows a progressive Lajna, but with the same values being upheld to the highest standards. His Holiness Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmed Khalifa al Masih II, may Allah be pleased with him, set out 17 aims and objectives for the members of Lajna to follow and work towards, such as women striving together to enhance their knowledge and spread the knowledge that they have attained together for this very purpose. Thank you for a very comprehensive answer. Um, so in this very short hour, we have attempted to at least scratch the surface of the amazing organization that is Lajna Imaila. It's truly a pioneering organization, and you know, not just in the religious um, sense and terms, but also in secular terms and in the context of wider society. You know, the, the words of His Holiness Mirza Bashir al-Din Mahmoud Ahmed, may Allah be pleased with him, are to the core instilled in the very spirit of Lajna Imaila, even 100 years on. Um, thank you very much for joining me on this episode and marking a very special occasion on the centenary of Lajnai Maila. Thank you to my lovely guests, Briya and Samana. I've been Ifad Mirza on Sisters on Air, produced by Mrs. Shermin Butt. And to you at home, thank you. Catch us next time, only on Voice of Islam Radio.